to the Voice of HK podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Bajik-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. everyone. I'm really excited to do my first episode for this year after I've returned from maternity leave and what a crazy time we're living in at the moment with the COVID and, and everything else going on, which I know no one predicted would be happening, but it's quite interesting coming back from leave and, you know, just to a completely different world and different way of living. I feel it's important that I acknowledge that and in, you know, in the interviews that I'll be doing for the remainder of the year, we'll talk about it with each and every guest and every episode. I had a book launch in July, which wasn't done in person. I'm releasing new courses, which are all done online. And, and it's something that really has taken me by surprise of just how different things operate now. I wanted to invite someone very special to today's episode. I'm honoured to speak to Del Marie McAllister. I've known Del for a long time, but I haven't interviewed her. And Del is a leisure and lifestyle consultant, and she's worked in aged care for a long time. She's also worked as a as a chaplain. She's worked as a volunteer coordinator. But more recently, Del has been working during the COVID epidemic, and I wanted to uh, touch base with her and and learn a little bit more about the impact that COVID has had on residents and how she has been able to bring her skills, expertise, and knowledge to today's world. Welcome, Del. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit more about your background and, and how you got into aged care? <laughs> yeah, of course. I stumbled into aged care. I'm actually a late bloomer. I have been was busy raising five children, my husband and I, and that kept me busy for a long time. And I decided when we moved from New Zealand to Australia that I would like to do some part-time work. And I saw an advertisement um, for a part-time chaplain in aged care and my husband suggested I apply. I said something like, oh, give it a go, but I'm sure there's people more qualified than me. Well, cut a long story short, (laughs) the interview was successful. Um, My background in grief counselling and life coaching, I think, helped. And I found my life's calling. I love the job. I love the residence. Um, but sadly, that facility closed down a year or so later. So it was short and sweet, but I knew where my, my career was heading. And from then on, I got involved in lifestyle and leisure. And I, I thought I'd better do some studies too. <laughs> so I did my Cert for uh, Leisure and Health and Pastoral Care. I also did Cert 3 in Aged Care because I really wanted to understand the industry. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about my, my background. So when you say Certificate 3 in Aged Care, that is the baseline training that carers complete when they Correct. go and del- – Yeah, okay. Correct. So so you, you understand the ins and outs of what – their role involves as well. Absolutely. 
And you know what? If I'm in a room and there's one person making a bed, I'll jump on the other side. I never did get those hospital corners done very well. (laughs) (laughs) But that's amazing. You actually, you understand what training they've had and and their knowledge and you can really relate to that. Absolutely. So more recently, you've also written a book as well, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I've done a few. I've written quite a few books, actually. Uh, um, When I was a grief counsellor, I I wrote one on bereavement, which is available on my website. I'll give you the details at the end. Um, And I've also written some manuals for leisure and lifestyle (laughs) employees. And, um, yeah, a few other things. And I've also worked as a pastoral care coordinator. And in one of those jobs, I was asked to oversee leisure and lifestyle as well. So a lot of experience. I've got quite a few, quite a lot of skills. And I just put them all together one day and decided that, hey, I'm just going to be a consultant now. (laughs) That's amazing. That's so impressive. So you are fairly involved in training and supporting leisure and lifestyle personnel. What kind of trainings have you been offering them? Okay, well, what happened is, um, first of all, I trained two employees in their role. They went from PCAs to leisure and lifestyle, didn't know what to do. So I was asked by the manager of that facility to step in, run the department, train these two people, and they're still there loving their job. And, um, yeah, we're very much in touch with each other. But as far as my training, I, I wrote some programs, especially when the new quality standards came out. I noticed that through my interaction with, with people on Facebook groups that there was quite a lot of fear around it and uncertainty. I thought, look, I'm going to take the fear out of it and I'm going to write some things about the new standards, practical ways of how we can comply. So I took that around quite a few facilities in New South Wales and Victoria in 2019. Okay, right. And so more recently, you've started a magazine specifically Mm -hmm. for those who work in leisure and lifestyle. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Absolutely. Look, I, I I think it was my first job when I was a leisure and lifestyle assistant way back. Um, When I was watching a staff member flick through a magazine and I thought, that's an interesting magazine. I had a look at it and I said, well, how do we subscribe? And they said, well, you can't get it anymore. There's no no such thing. It's no longer available. And I think that planted the seed of the idea of perhaps one day I would create one. So I started collecting ideas and I'm a bit of a writer. I've done a lot of freelance journalism over my time. I've Mm -hmm. had a lot of articles published and I just started putting together ideas. And um, yeah, when we became empty nesters, I decided that was the best time to launch out and start the magazine. Um, It's under the umbrella of the care model, which is something that I've sort of come up with. The word care meaning um, stands for compassion, acceptance, respect and empathy. And that to me is the very foundation of everything I do. And yeah, I thought a monthly magazine with lots of ideas um, of what people could do in that month where they work and yeah people keep giving me articles and ideas and it just keeps growing and growing it's an amazing job and it's such a huge commitment from you because I remember last year you you wrote an activity for each day didn't you and oh, what I'm doing with the Inspire magazine is there is one page in the magazine dedicated to every single day. And yeah. I relate quite a lot of those historical happenings or inventions or, or 
if it's Dolly Parton's birthday, you play Dolly Parton CDs or whatever it is. I try to link those days with activities. And um, the exciting news is I've now got two pages dedicated to every day of the year in our 2021 edition. So it's just growing and the ideas are coming thick and fast. So I'm very excited about it. (laughs) That is amazing. And Quite frankly, I don't know anyone else who does this, what you do. So it's such an important resource for everyone who works in aged care facilities. Thank you. Thank you. It's very, very time consuming. And I was thinking the other day, why hasn't anyone else done this? I realised because it's incredibly time consuming because you're researching everything and then you're you're rewriting it and and putting it all together. But I I love every minute of it. So while I've got this passion within me to do it, um, I can see myself doing this for a long while yet. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. <laughs> Del, let's talk about 2020 and what's been happening. Um, I've, you know, I've been under the impression I'll go off on maternity leave and come back and everything will be as it was, but it seems to be not the case. And what is the impact of, on, of COVID on, on the residents? Wow, <laughs> what a year. So I basically continue doing the care model, but I'm not doing speaking tours at the moment. And I decided to get back into the industry as well because I was missing interaction with, with our seniors. So I have taken on a job <laughs> in Victoria, of all places, <laughs> of being an activities coordinator. And, um, and I do the other things in the weekend. <laughs> So while I've been working at the aged care home, of course, I I sort of dived in the deep end. COVID-19 had just started. And so it was a totally new ball game. The most important thing, Julie, that I did at the beginning was I wanted to find out what the residents wanted during this time. Bingo, bowls and bus trips, of course, they'd all been cancelled and they couldn't see their family, which that's heartbreaking. Some of them haven't seen their grandchildren or great-grandchildren for months, months on end, and life was looking really bleak. So we had to think outside the box. So do you want to hear what we came up with? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I've got to say, I've got a great team around me, and we came up with, they came up with some great ideas. One was to do a weekly theme happy hour trolley. So um, I let the staff come up with the theme ideas because then I knew that they would be passionate and they would run with it. But we would all jump on board. So if it was the royal theme, we're all dressed up like royalty. And we even had a queen. (laughs) Wow, okay. Um, If it was um, Daffodil raised money for um, Cancer Council, we all dressed in yellow. Most of the staff did too. It was just a really great team thing that happened. And then they would do a happy hour with the trolley. Yep. And visit the residents' rooms because there wasn't much else happening as far as activities. And they loved it, made them laugh, it made them smile. In fact, one of them said it was the only thing that made them smile. So it was absolutely worth it. Um, Wow. Okay. And so you were saying that they gave you the feedback that they wanted more one-on-one time? Yes, well, what I did is I created a survey, Julie. Um, I thought it'd be really, really important to hear what they were saying and what they wanted. Under the new quality standards, it's about what the residents want, isn't it? Yes. It's not about what we think might be best for them. So we wanted to hear from them. So um, are you okay if I read out some of the questions? Yeah, absolutely. So basically I had a tick box list 
and I asked my team members to visit. We allocated different wings of the uh, facility to them, and I said, "Can you just go and ask everybody that you that you know you can, and to tell us what do they want, what what are their needs during this time?" So one of the um, I'll read out the list. Books. So we set up a, a library trolley. Yep. Books and it included talking books. It included magazines, DVDs, and CDs. So that was one category. And we offered cultural items or religious items. We offered walks and talks, and that where that was just a one-on-one activity assistant and a, a resident just going for a walk through the facility or outdoors. We offered activity folder jigsaws, playing cards letter writing supplies, painting supplies, knitting supplies, craft. One of our staff members had made up all these little individual craft supply packs. And we offered nails to be painted, room visits and hand massage. Right, okay. There were a few more on the list too, but the outcome was exactly what I thought it would be, which I think it's, it was a bit of a wake-up call, I think, for a lot of people. Would you yep. like to know what they were? No, I, I, I'm, I don't want to have a guess. I would like you to tell me. <laughs> well, not surprisingly, the most popular requests were having one-on-one right. with staff. The room visits was way at the top. People just wanted someone to be there, to listen mm-hmm. and to care. The walks and talks were a big hit. Yeah. And the hand massages, they just wanted human touch. That's amazing, yeah. They wanted someone present and someone to touch them and and during the hand massage to listen and to care. So to me, this highlights the need that humans have of having somebody just to take that time to be with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think it's so important that you you got that information firsthand from the residents, that it wasn't from families, from staff, that it was actually what the residents said themselves. Absolutely. And, and that's always been, you know, especially since the new standards come out, that's my focus, to get to know the residents, to listen to them and to do our very best to meet their needs. Yes, yes. And so have you guys been doing what's been recommended? Absolutely. We then made up a list of everyone that wanted hand massages, everyone that wanted walks and talks and et cetera, et cetera, and we were able to facilitate all of that across the facility. That's amazing. This episode is proudly brought to you by the Beyond Reluctant Move book, Practical Approach to Wellbeing in Residential Aged Care Facilities. Let's together beat the myth that depression and dementia are a normal part of ageing. Grab a copy today from wisecare.com.au. So in your experience with all the, the, the wide range of skills that you have, what seems to be number one thing that older people would benefit from the most when they move into an aged care facility? Um, I think it goes back to just what I said, that one-on-one is so important. I mean, you can have put on great events and I've put on some amazing things. Um, I've started a choir. I've got a whole list of stuff that I've done. But at the end of the day, it's those moments when you just hold somebody's hand and they just start opening up their heart or they show you some photos and they start reminiscing about their past. To me, that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel that that is something that has changed as a result of the new aged care standards? Or is this something that perhaps, you know, what's, what's encouraged more of that kind of behaviour? 
Well, I, I personally have always, because I've got the chaplaincy skills, the counselling skills, that is what who I am and what I see as important and the feedback from the people I've cared for. It's proven that that is very important. And when the new age care standards came out, I was like, yes, <laughs> because they are more focused on individual needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs, their cultural needs. And it was like, yeah, I can work with this. <laughs> yeah. But have you noticed a shift in the culture in aged care facilities as a result of the new standards? I think because of the COVID-19 has just totally upset everything. It's totally, yeah, things are not like they used to be. So hopefully, hopefully, I just think we do need to be reminded and, and aged care, leisure and lifestyle employees need to be reminded not to be too task orientated, but to be more heart orientated, to be more focused on those things. So I'm hoping that there is there's a shift. I think it will take its time. Take yep. time, you know, change always takes a little bit of time and um, listening to the residents and doing what they require and what they desire, it should always be paramount. And I think we're heading in the right direction. But of course, this COVID-19 threw a whole spanner in the works. So yeah. we're just like trying to keep our heads above water at the moment, really. Yeah. And, you know, one characteristic that I've noticed um, visiting a number of aged care homes is that there seems to be almost a reluctance from some staff or activity coordinators or, I mean, even allied health professionals to change activities. And, you know, I'm just thinking with, you know, baby boomers retiring and younger people are entering homes, there really needs to be more change in what, what is on offer. You know, when I think now about people in their 60s and 70s, less and less of those people know how to knit, know how to, you know, and I'm just thinking like, how does that transpire, you know, hands-on in an aged care facilities with the introduction of, of new activities? Like, yeah, you need to offer a whole lot of things. So I think we're moving more towards small groups. So the knitting ladies can sit around, and gentlemen, if they want to, <laughs> can have their knitting group. But why not have a technology group as well? Why not have um, off, offer how to use your iPad sessions? And definitely, definitely, uh, and this is, goes beyond a lot of things I've already said, how to connect with their loved ones through technology. That's, that's paramount above everything yeah. I've said today because they're not seeing them. They've got to stay connected somehow. So, you know, helping, teaching them how to use an iPad, how to do FaceTiming and what have you. And, and yeah, definitely it's, it's about finding out what the residents need and want and facilitating them. And that probably looks a bit different to the old bingo and bowls, which they mm. still love. Mm. So we still provide it, but why not add more options and ideas, especially after once COVID-19 is over, because then you can do more things without social distancing, because it's a bit hard to social distance in some of these um, ideas that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we definitely have to have a lot more on offer and um, facilitate more, especially in the field of technology for our seniors. Yeah, because um, I'm supervising a group of mental health professionals um, who, who visit aged care homes and just speaking to them recently, because of COVID, they haven't been able to go on site and they've been offering even therapy, you know, with iPads and yep. phone calls. And, and I think that's a lot for an older person to take on. 
you know, how to use an iPad and how to open up your heart and talk to someone about your problems. It's, it's a big step that we're asking of them. So I'm, I'm pleased to hear that they're given opportunities in how to use technology outside of, you know, that clinical intervention setting Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Yeah, so important. what's been happening with communication? What have you been doing in helping right. residents to connect with their loved ones? Okay, well, um, we set up window visits. Mm-hmm. We have walkie-talkies and or else we just actually use our iPhones <laughs> and they sort of work quite well. Not the same though, <laughs> of course. Um, and of course, video conferencing. So there's a, um, the, the organisation that I work with have got an online booking system and people book in their video conference times with their loved ones. So we set it all up, take the iPad to the resident. We make sure the resident can see their loved one, the loved one can see the resident. And depending on the cognitive ability of the resident, we um, every now and then we've had to stay with somebody, especially if somebody is very weak and cannot hold an iPad. Yep. Or sometimes we just like set it up on a little table. I will usually leave the room, so give them privacy, which is really important, which is another one of the quality standards. But then sometimes I'll pop back sort of halfway through to make sure the resident hasn't moved the iPad or pressed a button or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to let, and let the family know that I'm there if, if any adjustments need to be made. And then I will go and leave them again to have their private conversations. And how have residents been responding to it? Yeah, incredibly well. They're fascinated by it, to be honest. (laughs) Okay. So they have accepted it quite well and they've been happy with it. That's amazing. Yeah, the video conferencing. I mean, it's their link, isn't it? Um, And to to see their family on the picture at the same time, it's just like, this is amazing. (laughs) So it's been a very, very, very good move. Has it brought closer some of the family members who haven't perhaps been visiting as much well especially those that are geographically um, far away who can't visit because of you know different reasons or people overseas it it certainly has worked for that for a few of them to be able to see and connect with their loved ones that don't live locally yeah okay so do you think that perhaps after the you know we get through this pandemic that online communication and and technology is something that residents might be able to keep up Absolutely. 100% yes. I think it would be it would be wrong of us to suddenly drop having that available for them because, as I said, if you've, they've got great-grandchildren in Canada or in, in yeah. Africa or something, you know, they can just continue having that beautiful um, communication, they have a look at their house, they show them, they take them outside sometimes and they get to have a look mm. around their gardens and it's it's just it's very therapeutic and it would ha- I hope it continues. That's beautiful. That's, mm. that's really nice. So, Del, where can people connect with you? What's the best <laughs> way that they can find out more about what you do and how to get their hands on this invaluable resource that you've spent <laughs> hundreds of hours putting together? <laughs> okay. So the best place is probably my Facebook page or the group that we've got going. And I'll share the link for that. Oh, thank you. And, of course, my website. They buy the magazines through the website and the magazines and all the books that they get through my website are very affordable and they're um, downloadable PDFs. So we don't post a a magazine because we just do PDF files and they can then download it and have it as part of their resources. Okay. Do you just want to share with the listeners your website? 
Yeah, com. The spelling of that is D-E-L-M-A-R-I-E-M-C-A-L-I-S-T-E-R.com. Thank you so much for all your invaluable insight and input. I really feel ready to go back to work now, given your <laughs> inspiration about COVID and communication and technology and yep. your magazine. Thank you so much for your time, Del. Oh, absolute pleasure. And thank you, Julie, for everything that you do. And I've been very inspired by what you write, what you share, and I'm so glad that we've, we've connected through our <laughs> mutual love of our seniors. Absolutely. Thank you, Del. All right, then. Bye. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So please leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, wisecare.com.au, with one click, you can grab a copy of my three top downloaded resources on mental health and well-being in older age. Let's face it, this can be a complex topic and I want to give you practical strategies to deal with it. Go to wisecare.com.au for your free copy of these three amazing resources. See you in the next episode.